Hi friends, Brad here. The episode you're about to hear is a preview of sorts. It's an edited version of a conversation that Lisa and I had over on our Patreon series discussing Sandman issue 70, the first chapter of The Wake, the final arc in Neil Gaiman's Sandman series, or at least the final arc of the original Sandman series that concludes with issue 75. Hopefully everyone listening to this already knows that Lisa and I have been covering Sandman over on our Patreon for the last couple of years, one issue at a time, one episode at a time. These conversations are far more loose than what you normally hear at Comic Book Couples Counseling on the main feed, we like to call them sweatpants mode episodes, where Lisa and I do very little notes. We kind of just throw ourselves into the conversation. We don't plan anything beforehand. We just hit record and we start talking about Sandman. As first time readers, it's a very vulnerable experience for Lisa and I. We do not understand what is going on most of the time when reading Sandman. We are very ignorant. We are stumbling. We are making mistakes. We are misinterpreting sequences, but thankfully we have our patrons there to help us along the way, and they really bring the knowledge in the comments of every episode, and in every Sleepwalking Through Sandman episode that we do, we engage with those comments, and we engage with those listeners, and we thank them profusely for showing us the way. Sandman number 70 is kind of the beginning of the end regarding our Sleepwalking Through Sandman series but not really either, because even though Sandman, the original series, ended at issue 75, there are several other arcs that came afterward, and we are going to cover those arcs as well. So if you join our Patreon today, not only will you have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of episodes. I would say that you would have 69 other episodes about Sandman already in the feed, but actually you have 75 episodes already because we've done two episodes on certain issues. We've incorporated interviews with various Sandman-related creators. Rance Hosley's been on the Sandman feed, as has... Elisa Quitney, the associate editor of Sandman, and we're hoping to get a few more behind-the-scenes creators as well. So there's already 75 episodes about Sandman waiting in our Patreon feed, not to mention bonus Creator Corner conversations, episodes where Lisa and I review the Spider-Verse Whopper, where we review the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem serial, where we talk about movies, where we talk about all kinds of stuff, and we're actually going to launch a new episode series on our Patreon that I'm very excited about, but I'm not gonna tell you right now, if you make it all the way through this sweatpants mode episode about Sandman number 70, and you reach the very ending of this conversation, there you will find another surprise. I'm going to do the announcement of our new Patreon series, and I think everyone is going to be really excited about this concept. I mean, we certainly are. Okay, that's enough buildup for this conversation. We hope you consider jumping on over to the Patreon feed, link in the show notes. We know that not everyone can afford to do so, but we also try to make it really darn cheap. A dollar a month for just $12 a year, you have access to all those Sandman episodes. You have access to every single one of our bonus episodes for just one buck a month. 
You can't really beat that. That's hundreds of hours. Actually, that's thousands of hours of bonus content. And if you join at like the $5 level and the $10 level, there are some extra features. The $5 level gets you access to our Slack community, which has to be the most warm and loving and friendly online community around everyone on there. We love them. They're so cool. They're so rad. They bring so much to comic book couples counseling. We think it's certainly a place worth hanging out at. And uh, yeah, just some, just something to consider, just something to consider, but go browse around. There are some unlocked episodes already waiting for you there that will cost you nothing. Link in the show notes, please click on it. And with that, let's get into Sandman number 70. Bum, bum, bottom, bum, bum, bottom. Hello, friends. What's up, lovebirds? It's, it's Brad, Brad and Lisa. Lisa. I did it even though this isn't an in-the-car episode. No. I just wanted to throw you off your game, keep you on your toes. We've been married for so long. I have to keep it interesting. <laughs> We've been married, Lisa, almost 14 years. We will have been married 14 years on Tuesday, the that's, 27th of June. That's shocking. It is shocking, especially since you didn't know how long we'd been married just the other day when you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a years person. Yeah, you were like, what is this, 15? 16. And then like I forever. do the jerk thing where I'm like, I don't know, Lisa. What year is it? You're like, 15? No, 14. 15? 14. 16? 15? 16? 20 years. 13? <laughs> how, how long does it feel? How long does it feel? Um, it feels kind of novel still. Like when I bring you around to like hang out with my parents, I'm like, look at this weirdo that I'm <laughs> Look who out. I'm into. But I feel like I've loved you forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's super sweet. I like, I look back to our dating life and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I look back on our dating life as like ancient aliens. Oh yeah. You know, who are those people? Who are those people? Gross. I don't quite recognize them. And when I see photographs of us in our twenties, our mid twenties, mm -hmm. your early twenties, uh, I, I go like, yeah, we're children, children. Yeah. But then I look at like photos of us like a year in, uh, you know, going to like conventions together and things like that. And that just feels like yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. 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 The way we I, let's see. Hold on. Let me think of this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now it's my turn to look like an idiot regarding our relationship. <laughs> was our one year anniversary when we went to Vegas or is that our five year anniversary? Oh, I have no idea. OK, I feel like the first big anniversary celebration we did was our trip to Vegas, though. Yeah. Right. And that's what we did. We stayed at the Luxor and we did that like Titanic exhibit. So I don't want to talk about the Titanic right now. No, I know. We're embarrassed that it even came up. Um, my chair is squeaky, y'all. Yeah. I don't yeah. want them to think I'm passing gas. Though, because that would be edited out. But you know, you know it's the chair's got to stay in. We fart on mic. <laughs> no, we do not. We fart on mic We constantly. would charge so much more for that. <laughs> That's so a different tier. Hell yeah. That's, That's like, like the $25 fans. tier. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's our OnlyFans. Yeah. Our OnlyFans is us farting on bike. There's a market for everything <laughs> and a price for everything. But Vegas was our first big anniversary celebration. Mm-hmm. And then for our 10-year anniversary celebration, we did the big road trip out to Bangor, Maine. And we did our Stephen King walking tour. That's right. Which is still one of the best vacations I've ever done. Oh, it was so fun. Oh, my God. That was That's dumb. And it's such an easy trip to do, yeah, y'all. Yeah, and super affordable. Yeah. Super affordable. Other th- cool things, mm-hmm. another good vacation or celebration we did anniversary-wise is we went to Graceland. That was so fun. That was that our seven was year. Our, that was our seven that year? That was our seven okay. year. Okay. Why were we celebrating our seven year in such a big way? Um, because seven years feels like the year that you re-up the contract. Don't yeah, you feel it's like the it's the age seven of year? reason. Yeah, <laughs> your marriage has hit the age of reason. Yeah, and so we drove to Memphis and we did Graceland. And I remember, you know, we did Graceland once and we we did the whole tour through it. They were like, that was so much fun. Let's do it immediately again. It was weird and cool just to be amongst an icon's things. Yeah, and it like it's just so touristy, like that collision of tourism and reverence yeah and that you get to take all of the time that you want and we were really challenging ourselves to to like relish in every square inch of elvis presley's house can we spend an entire day inside the walls of graceland turns out we can (laughs) if we really put our minds to it and we stayed at the heartbreak hotel on campus which was so funny right 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 so what are we gonna do for our 14th anniversary i took the day off it's just tuesday i took the day off of work hey that's better than last year yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah so i guess okay. like this is re uh, this is seven i thought seven. we could do actual planning on mike oh okay um i don't know yeah so i guess what we're looking for in the comments is suggestions from you someplace fun to go <laughs> something to do in a day like we go to Annapolis all the time. Mm-hmm. That's a day's drive. or That's not a day's drive. It's a it's couple a, hours. Yeah. We could do something in the city. We tried to get reservations at Hell's Kitchen. Because we've been watching it in reverse order. Yeah, and uh, guess what? You not can't available. get a reservation just two days out you from can't. your anniversary. You can't, but um, we did get reservations for lunch on Brad's birthday, which is August 18th. For lunch? Like, you couldn't even get dinner. dinner reservations for my birthday on the 18th. Maybe we go to, like... Frederick, Maryland, and do all the used bookstores that, down there. Frederick, Maryland is really cute. That yeah. would be fun. That's an idea. That's an idea. Now it's, you know, we, we got to move into the final arc of Sandman, issue 70. It's taken us two years to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also feels like a milestone, an anniversary of sorts. It does, and yet we still have so much Sandman left. Right. It's weird. Right, right, because... While we are starting the final arc of the original Sandman series, there are at least two trade paperbacks worth of comics after this, uh-huh. plus some one shots, yeah. plus some. Do you know what this feels like? An eighth grade graduation. You know what I mean? Where they're like, you've Woo-hoo. only like at the middle school I went to was just seventh and eighth grade. So to have an eighth grade graduation felt like so weird because it's just like I just got here. Yeah, I don't even know if I had an eighth grade i'm sure you did i don't i don't what remember was your middle school little rocky run oh yeah that's right this is what i remember at little rocky run i lip synced with a group of friends rock around the clock to uh the entire school it was part of an event that we were doing and eighth grade girls this was when i was in seventh grade eighth grade girls threw bags 
of hard ice at me. That is shocking. While I was lip syncing. That level of bullying. Yeah. I'm like, what were you in, in an 80s movie? I remember a kid throwing me off. We had like this two foot wall outside the cafeteria and I was standing on top of it. And this kid came up and he pushed me off of it. And I didn't like fall, but I backed up and I slid. I like I immediately dropped. Yikes. And then my, and my shin grazed the wall. That Ooh. is visceral. And I Ooh. still have a flat part on my rat, right shin where the bone Did you strike. get to go to the um, I went nurses? To, I went to the nurses. Then I went to the emergency room. Oh, yeah, and I had a whole stitches. bunch of stitches. And then I had crutches. It's the only time in my life that I ever had crutches. And I remember going to home ec. Uh, like a couple days later on crutches and trying to sew. We were doing shorts. Uh And so I was sewing shorts and uh, I was having a real difficult time sewing while standing using crutches. How come you had to stand to sew? Because you're on like this, um, I guess, what do you call it? Uh, It's not like an, it's like an ironing board. Uh You know, you've seen the movie, The Outfit, where they're doing like the cutting of clothes. It's on one of those things. Oh, okay. So you were using a machine to sew? No, I was standing and sewing, but then there were you were you were doing all this big flat tall table. Oh, I don't know how to explain that, it because I'm not a that seamstress. Doesn't, that doesn't seem terribly accessible. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so that's what I remember about middle school. I remember lots about middle school. Do you just want to hear the mortifying stuff? No, 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 okay. no. no. I, but you remember a graduation. Yeah, I re- uh, I don't remember the eighth grade graduation specifically, but I know that I had one. Yeah, but I like the metaphor. Of celebrating the end of Sandman being seventy five, as if it's the eighth grade graduation. Yeah, it's like why are we like why are we celebrating now? There's so much school left. You know, I like I like a ceremony though. I am that parent who wants to create ceremonies just to have ceremonies and excuses to celebrate. Yeah, you yeah. know their children. I don't know anything. And in our case, our children are is, is the this podcast. the Patreon episodes? Our sleepwalking through. Well, Sandman. the podcast, Comic Book Couples Counseling, is definitely our child. Oh my goodness. Anyway, issue seventy came out. In August of 1995, cost 250 in the U.S., 350 Canadian, a pound 50 in the U.K. Suggested for mature readers. That's us. That is us. Uh, chapter one of the wake is called "Which Occurs in the Wake of What Has Gone Before." Written by Neil Gaiman, art by Michael Zuli, lettered by Todd Klein, colored by Daniel Vazo, seps by Digital Chameleon. Ooh. Yeah, separations. Yeah, they're back. And it's not uh, the digital Android people. Yeah. Uh, edited by Karen Berger, associated by Shelley Roberg. Sandman characters created by Gaiman, Keith, and Dringenberg. Yes. Lisa, real quick. Michael Zuli's art, what you think? I freaking love it. Oh my God. It's so rich. It's so beautiful. It feels right. You know what I mean? It feels like, um, weighty. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, this is our Sunday's best. We're putting on our Sunday best for the week. It wake. feels ceremonial. Yeah. Right. Uh, I love Michael Zuli. I've been a big Michael Zuli fan for a long time. He does some of the most interesting and unique Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Yes. If you have not read, I think it's called Soul's Winter. There's a hardback that IDW has put out, like a reprint of it. The coloring on it's not awesome, but the Michael Zuli art, his interpretation of the turtles. It's wild. It's not cartoony. It's, It's like he studied the anatomy and biology of turtles and tried to replicate that in a humanoid form. Yeah, he was creating something much more literal than your usual Ninja Turtle. I I love it. I love it. Yeah. And he's done, you know, Puma Blues is a fabulous comic oh, book series as well. 
Uh, and I, I've been anticipating Michael Zuli returning to Sandman for The Wake, and he does not disappoint from the opening page when we get that dove flying into Destiny's realm with the message, I am in love with the art. Yeah. So, the book itself, the issue itself, just initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing everyone again. Like, the wake hasn't even, like, started. This is kind of like um, when everybody was gathering at Morpheus's realm and all of we were For the seeing, party. Yeah, for the big party. This is kind of that. We're, it's like a roll call. It's a roll call. You know, it's happening. Uh, we, we have a crossroads. Mm-hmm. It, this feels like an event. Yeah. It feels like the Magnolia ending that Chris Chaka was kind of talking about in the comments section of this episode where we are going to see the various characters from the entire Sandman run gather together to bear witness. And I'm anticipating some surprises. I hope so. In this arc. Yeah. I I, I, like the ending of the kindly ones wrapped up basically the way we were anticipating it, or at least Certainly the way that we anticipated it from the middle point of the Kindly Ones. Mm -hmm. I think at the middle point, we knew exactly where it was going. Uh, Check notes, check past uh, Sleepwalking Through Sandman episodes. But I have a feeling here with these six issues that we are going to get some, whoa, okay. And maybe some WTFs. Yeah. And we get a few WTFs in this issue. But the, the comic starts off with this with the doves, with the, the messengers heading into the various realms of the Endless and gathering them. It, do you know what this made me wonder? Does every Endless have their equivalent to the ravens? Like where, <laughs> where Destiny has doves and Despair has bats and... Um, what is that, an eagle for death? Uh, 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 it's a majestic bird. Yeah. It's almost, it almost looks alien to me. And then for Despair, are those parrots? Those are lovebirds. Oh, they're uh, love, you mean desire? You mean oh desire. yeah, yeah. You sorry. Uh, for desire, those parrots, they're, they're lovebirds. They're love that birds. makes sense. That makes sense. And we don't see what comes for delirium, do we? Um. Yes, we do. For delirium, yeah. No, we don't. No, I don't think so. Yeah, she just shows up at the crossroads at the necropolis at the in the shadow of the Quincy Mountains, and we've heard about the Quincy Mountains. We've heard about the necropolis in the world. The at the world's end arc of mm-hmm. Sandman with Petrifax. I, I, like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we meet that voice again mm-hmm. from the Necropolis. Right. I don't know if you remember, Lisa, when we were discussing that arc in the Sleepwalking Through Sandman series, we were like, is that God? Right. Is that Who the creator? Who is this person? Is this the creator? Uh, now having read this issue, I still don't necessarily know who the heck that voice is. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think... It's the creator. You don't think it's like Christian omnipresent, omnipotent. Right, right. God. Yeah. Like, I think it is the creator. I think that the creator has delegated tasks to the endless so he doesn't have to pay attention. So why would you go to the necropolis to get the ceremonies from the creator? Because I feel like the creator should know when there's like a change in his ranks. Right. And he doesn't. He de- well, he doesn't know because nobody told him because he's not paying attention because that's why he delegated okay, the tasks okay. to him in the first place. All right, all right. I'll, I'm not with you sure. in that. That's fine. I, I, I'm still in the camp of, like, I don't know what this voice is. It's yeah. associated with the ceremonies. Right. Like, 
to me, the what my interpretation of it is the voice, the entity that's down there um, in the catacombs, its job is to dish out the ceremonies yeah, and the ritual. It's just the keeper of the object. When the endless die, or when one of the endless die. Yeah. And again, in this scene, we're reminded that this is not the first time this has happened with an endless despair recently yeah, died hundreds seems, of years ago it seems or millennia ago. It seems wild that it's only the second time, though. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big deal to lose an endless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, to me, I feel like they've got all of these this stuff in place. Like, you think it would have happened more than just one other time. You certainly think maybe it's going to happen again. Maybe, like, yeah, it ha like, it's inevitable to happen again, but, like, to me, it's just, like, has it just been so long since someone's died that they don't remember? Well, their no, their timeline is different than ours, right? Yeah. Like, like the, the way that they experience time, and as we discussed in the Brief Lives arc mm. in those episodes, the Endless are living brief lives. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. And, and so, Despair has died, and another version of despair has replaced, has taken up the mantle. Yeah. And now dream has died and a new person has aspect. taken aspect has, has occurred. Yeah. Uh, I th uh, del when delirium shows up at the crossroads, she goes, hello everybody. It's me. Not anyone else. Just me, which I think is rude because Barnaby <laughs> is just right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Barnabas is an entity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Barnabas has feelings. Recognize Barnabas. <laughs> Um, Barnabas doesn't complain or say anything. No, no. Uh, but I do love that they're together. Yeah. It's just nice to see them together. Yeah. The other thing that occurs at this crossroads is that destruction isn't there. And they make right. note of that. They, they thought, Delirium's like, oh, I thought destruction would show up. Yeah. And so why hasn't destruction shown up? You know, like... Does he still have someone to come and tell him? Does he still have messengers? I would... Or does he maybe just... He's like, I'll mourn in my own way because I'm the rebel of the family. I think that. Mm. I think that. I, I, I think... I would like to go back again. You know, the reread of Sandman is going to be so interesting. Uh, I would like to go back and read the Brief Lives arc and consider the last conversation that Destruction had with Dream. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? On a reread of Sandman, I'm going to keep my list of proper nouns digitally so that it's searchable. Yeah, get it in a Google Doc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that would be quite handy right now. I know. Like it, it's just like one of those things you can only learn from retrospect. But the endless that do appear gather before the necropolis. And Doesn't, they... like, delirium look weirdly like Madonna? Like uh, in a distracting... I wouldn't level. say weirdly, but I, I, I mean, that has occurred before, right? We've seen various rock musicians take the face, like the, we've seen the Endless adapt the faces of various rock musicians, you know. Um, what's the guy from The Cure? Robert Smith. Yeah, Robert Smith, <laughs> you know, Morpheus has worn Robert Smith's face. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen The Cure. You weren't with me. No, but I've seen The Cure also, oh, but separately. not with you. Yeah, yeah. Pre-marriage, pre-marriage. Yes. We see the Sith Kundman. Does Sith Kundman, is that a word? It means a person who is the oldest and wisest of that area. It, did, you look, did we look at that up last time? Or I looked it up this time. Oh, okay. And, but, but. He is referred to in the Petrifax story. Right. Uh, we don't see him in the Petrifax story, but they do talk about him. Okay. Okay. Well, he has his, like, divas with him. <laughs> yeah, he does. 
And he doesn't recognize the Endless Lake specifically. He's heard stories of them, yeah. though. And, and he's not necessarily surprised that they're here. And yeah. when they do appear, he knows what to do or what to say. Right. Um, but he doesn't understand, like, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you could get very well get lost in the catacombs. And, and they're they, like, we're not going to get lost. And they, we're well, magic. they can't go. They're not yeah. allowed down in the catacomb. They basically create a golem and they have to give the golem a name. And Delirium picks the name as Elvis O'Shaughnessy. Why do you think they can't go in the catacombs? I don't know. I that mean, is, maybe it's it to seems- your point. Like, that's like the creator's realm. You know, whatever that entity is down there is an entity apart from the endless. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, it's like a physical manifestation. Okay, so when they create the envoy, they make them out of mud, which is like what Adam and Eve are made of. Well, what Adam is made out of yeah. in the Garden of Eden. And golems. And golems. Death has to breathe life into it. Yes. Which I love. I love those three panels on the top of page eight mm-hmm. where death says, I haven't done this in ages. And then the middle panel is her like getting, you know, face to face, kissing close with this yeah, golem. And, and then breathing life. So like, like, what do you think she means by I haven't done this in ages? Creating life. Yeah. Creating life from scratch. From scratch. Yeah. So yeah, from like scratch. we presume. We presume that she did this with D- Despair's death, and then I guess she created Adam. She started Adam. Well, we know that she's at the beginning of, of everyone's everybody. life, but we don't necessarily know what that means. Like, we but don't it know that. Mean this because it, she no. says she hasn't done this. In right, ages. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't mean this. Right. So she hasn't done this to us. Yeah, but right? she did it to Adam. But I'm she, saying. Oh, okay. That, that's what I think. Yeah, because Adam was made out of a rib. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Eve was made out of her. Whatever. I'm, I'm not, you know, I was raised a-religious. I don't know what the heck's <laughs> going on. Okay, Destiny says, Eblis O'Shaughnessy, you were created and gifted by five of the endless, but you can neither dream nor ultimately destroy, and that shall be your triumph, and that shall be your tragedy. This is like the physical manifestation of of the endless that are present. Yeah, it's almost like a, another one of their children in a, in a weird way. Yeah, like in a weird way. Yeah. Now, we know that they can create other kids, you know, Orpheus and, 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 and uh, Desire, Sired, uh, Unity's child, mm-hmm. Rose's mother. Right. But this is something This is something other. different. It feels like a character that can then go on and have many adventures. Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> though. They don't seem particularly, like, sturdy. Like, for some reason, I, I, mean, I think that, like, if it were to rain, they would be completely washed away. You know what? Give it a few uh, trips around the sun, and I think this character has its own spinoff series. Yeah, let's toss this guy in a kiln and keep him. <laughs> he is ripped. So uh, the creature goes through the catacombs, to the necropolis. There we we come upon the voice that Brad believes is not the creator. I believe it is a lazy creator. And, and, and we get the same question that we saw in the World's End storyline, the Petrifex storyline. Mm-hmm. Which of them is dead? And at that point, the um, oh, that little young girl running through the catacombs had yeah. no idea what this question was about. But the envoy knows and has the answer. Dream. And then the voice says, you have come for the seer cloth, then for the ceremony. Yes, they are yours. Take them. And then the ceremony is there on the wall, and we see the outline of the helm on it. So this is the one that's for dream. Right. Now go, says the voice. And the envoy takes the ceremony back to the others. We presume. And Yeah, we presume. 
I was ready for this whole issue to, to be, be hanging out with these, these folks. I was shocked to turn the page. <laughs> and it, it's, it's so weird to have this new dream. The yeah. Daniel dream. And, and he feels different. Definitely. He Definitely. feels different. Like, he does something that I consider like a freaking hot take. We'll, we'll get to it when we get oh, to it. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay, okay. We see Kane, and he's got his contract, and he's coming here to demand the resurrection or the recreation of Abel, his brother, mm -hmm. from the new dream. And I think this... Yeah, he's the one who refers to Dream as Morpheus. Yes, so that's what I think is a hot take. Okay. Should we do this in in order? So the first thing is Kane is having his having a hard time wrapping his head around like, is this a different guy or is this the same guy? Right. And Morpheus is like, or Morpheus, I shouldn't call him Morpheus. Dream. Dream is like, no, I am the same guy. Your contract is with me. It's a very awkward conversation where it feels like Dream is like trying to trick him or something. <laughs> Kane makes a very good argument for getting his brother back. Well, he reads the contract. He reads the contract. And, and um, Dream uh, is like, okay, describe Abel to me. <laughs> This is such a sibling's description. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, not as handsome as me, not as smart as me, not, you know, not as clever as me. He really did not take care of the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was foul, and the bathroom was, was revolting. The, the, the gunk that would build in his bathroom had sentience. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I love that he describes his brother as a, like a collection of annoyances, but still really wants him back. And, and, really, and Morpheus, really you know, having that description goes like, okay, all right, here you go. And he just rebuilds, he just rebuilds Abel from the, from the boots up. When Abel awakens, it's like no time has passed. It was like if, as if he went through this, like the Star Trek transporter machine. And it's he's like. similar to when we see Gilbert later. Yeah. And, and when Dream is recreating Gilbert, Gilbert knows everything that had transpired. Right, right. And says like, yeah, no, no, no. That was my life. I'm done with it. Yeah. Put me back. Yeah, and then that's that's where Kane is like, oh, Lord Morpheus brought you back right as rain. And Dream corrects him, not Morpheus. I have no right to that name. I am Dream of the Endless. It is enough. Like, and, I, and I'm like, well, who gets to name him? Because like, I, like, from my perspective, all, like he is Dream, and then all of these cultures name him something different. Right. So, like, who is he to refuse a name that someone gives him? Well, so you, what you're saying is that Dream of the Endless has been given the name Morpheus by a cult, like, by society, and a, a so splinter of society. And so meeting him would see him through the prism of their culture. So my question, though, is, and again, this requires us to have a memory of the Ugh, very oh early God. days of Sandman, which we do not because we've been doing this <laughs> one issue at a time, one episode at a time for two years now. Yeah. I don't know if we were told that X society named him Morpheus. We did get other societies giving Morpheus different names and him going by those names, but we don't know who actually originated the name Morpheus. Mm -hmm. So did that name, was that given... Was that given to him by himself? Was that given to him by the creator? Isn't was that given, like given to him? Greek or something? Well, it, yes, 
And, you know, what Morpheus is is a precursor to Orpheus. But within the context of the story, we've never been told who named him Morpheus. And I think what we're going to see in this arc is the Daniel dream, which uh -huh. is what I'm choosing to call him for sure. now. The Daniel dream is going to get a new name. Mm. And depending on who gives him that name will give us insight into who named Morpheus Morpheus. Oh, interesting. There's our coffee maker. <laughs> Take a shot. Um, okay. I did just Google Morpheus, and he is a god associated with sleep and dream from Ovid's Metamorphosis. Okay. He's, he's the son of Somnus. So I assume that it's just the Greeks, and we should just know that because we're literate, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we could assume that. But again, I'm holding out who named Morpheus until... I see Daniel Dream get renamed. Okay, sure. I feel like we're going to get a I new think name. Dream is his true name because it starts with the D. Well, and, Dream is his true name, but he has other names. Okay. And I think we're going to get another name for Daniel Dream. Okay, interesting. Okay. So the next scene after that is poor Matthew recoiling from the events of the Kindly Ones, feeling really shattered in the part he did not play in Morpheus's end. Yeah, like, he's talking about, like, I should have just stayed with Morpheus so I could have died at the same time as Morpheus, and then I wouldn't be sad now. Yeah, I don't want to be here if he's not here. Yeah, and that just breaks my heart, like, because, yeah, that's a terrible attitude. And, and Eve does her best to comfort him, but there is no comforting Matthew. And yeah. he just tells her, I heard you, now go away. Yeah, yeah. And now, well, I get it. Like, I didn't notice this before. Does Eve always go from old to young to old to young to old? Yeah, I had not noticed that before either, but very effective for Michael Zuli. Yeah, I mean, like, what a talented artist. Artist, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, be able to awesome. really depict that. But, like, is she becoming young because someone's talking directly to her and then when somebody's no longer talking or to her, Or is this part of her old? process? Yeah. Something that I will look for on my reread of Sandman. Or someone uh, to explain to us in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Drop it in the comments. You know yeah. we want to hear from you. Okay, now here's where the roll call really begins. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, Chris Chalk in the comments was talking about, you know, having disappointment in the kindly ones of all these people gathering and then nothing happening with them. Chris, when you got to this sequence and you're getting the roll call and these people are now assembling for the funeral, are you feeling... Satisfied, satisfied or is it redundant? Or are you feeling like, oh no, this is a trap again? <laughs> I don't feel safe. Yeah, yeah. Let us know, Chris. Okay, so Destiny led his siblings to their new maid attendant away from the necropolis. Um, the influence of Destiny was also felt in other places. Then we have like all of these people... Uh, well, not all of these. We have three human people... Nuala Rose. Well, I guess Nuala isn't a human. She's a for, fairy. As as Beckett said in the comments, he's using the word human because, you know, yeah. like he doesn't mean to be specious, but it's the word he's got. Yeah, so yeah, we're, yeah. that's how we, we refer to Nuala as a human. So Nuala uh, is at the Toadstone. That's not the, the same bar at the end of the world. This is like no, a different one. But it is a similar type of uh, institution. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a building a structure that exists outside of our realm. Yes. And so she has no allegiance to any time or dominion and she's exhausted from traveling, but she looks content to me. And then she falls asleep. Yeah. I, you know, based on the illustration and based on the words, 
I think Nuwala has begun a, a new journey, mm-hmm. and it's exciting to see her on that journey. Yes, yeah. she finally has some autonomy for the first time in her life. Rose's situation is different. You know, she's back in her mom's place in Seattle, and she's going through the stuff, and you know, she has these books that the hospice library refused. I love that Neil Gaiman lists the books that the hospice library wants nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. And she is probably in a more melancholic state than Nuala. Although yeah. they probably are both sharing some kind of melancholy. There is, like, something sad about returning to your parents' house. And, you know, she is, I think, unsatisfied by her adventure to England. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because it does feel weird to go through all of this stuff and still you go back to your parents' house and your parents' house is the same. Yeah. You know, there is something really um, jarring about that kind of thing. Yeah, and then so she nods off. And uh, then we get somebody I was surprised to yeah, see. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked he was invited. Yeah, Richard Maddock, who we last saw, I think, in Sandman issue 17. One of our favorite issues of Sandman, mm-hmm. one of our favorite conversations that we had about Sandman, uh, one that we put into the main feed a year plus ago, mm-hmm. where we left him, mm-hmm. Dream had poisoned him with too many ideas. Yes. And Calliope had convinced Dream to let him go. Right. Like, I love this line here that we get. Like, I'm just going to read the whole pa- passage. Sure. And in the nursing home garden... Richard Maddock rests his face in his gloved hands and shivers, not from the gray morning chill, but from the realization that yesterday, for the first time in half a decade, he had put together a handful of words in his head in an order that no one had ever put them before. Mm. The fear of ideas is replaced by a sensation of utter comfort. Richard dreams. Yeah. You know, that dude was a monster. He was a monster, and he was a monster because he was scared. And so it's interesting to, for us to see him now relieved of that punishment mm-hmm. and him to then be granted the grace like generally, of being at the funeral. Yeah, generally you would invite to the funeral people that the, the, the guest ones. of honor <laughs> Loved liked. ones, yeah, loved ones. But, mm. And then we get two amazing pages pages 16 and 17 of daniel dream growing merv pumpkin head yeah from scratch and it's this beautiful silent process wordless process until merv awakens and looks upon the corinthian and says so what the hell do you think you're looking at it might be my favorite panel who's the guy with one bird wing i I'm unsure. Have we met that guy before? We probably have. Again, Someone remind us who, who that is. Note in the comments, please. Lovebirds, yeah. let us know. How come, like, when Abel was recreated, like, he, like, was, like, a ghost and then came to fruit? Well, like, every, he, the creation of each is different. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, I feel like, like Gilbert when, and Abel's creation seems pretty similar. Whereas yeah. Pumpkinhead is re- regrown. And then when you think about the recreation of the Corinthian that the that was old different. Morpheus did, that was different. And it was like a tinkering process where it's just like, okay, I'll just come back to this. Yeah. Actually, if you, I don't, I, like, I just skipped to Gilbert, his recreation. He is brought back to life through his glasses, 
uh, Daniel Dream has a pair of Gilbert's broken glasses and he puts the emerald to the glasses, shines some emerald light through it. And after doing that, that's when Gilbert starts to reappear. So everyone does have their own process like, of resurrection. Yeah, or create. Like, I love it. Yeah. Okay, so then we get more roll call. We get Lyda. She has come back to, like, I guess, some kind of form of sanity or whatever. But she doesn't really understand what she was a part of. Yes. Or where people are. Like, she has no idea where Carla is. She thinks that she had a nervous breakdown. Which she did. Which she did. But also, there was, like, a magical element to it. And she's like, where's my son? Where's my son? Like, where's Daniel? She was told to run, and she feels that, she feels compelled to run, but she doesn't know why. What is one of the things that the wake has to do for you? Uh, And I ask that question because what I'm saying is there's one thing that the wake has to do for me. And regarding Lida. Let Lida know that Daniel's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... Daniel Dream and Lida have to meet and have yeah, an understanding. It, like she got, I mean, she got. Woo, she got. Woo. Yeah. So I guess like she deserves to have some kind of happy life. Yeah. Yeah. When you look upon Lida on page 18, especially in the dreaming panel where she's nodding off, she is so broken in that image. Yeah. And I need the Lida that's at the end of the wake to be healed in some way. Yeah. Or be on in the process of healing. Yeah. Okay. So next panel after that, we get Alexander Burgess, who has just awoken from five years of dreaming. Right. Torturous dreaming. And he is terrified at the thought of having to fall asleep again. And I still feel like Paul is dead. I know Alexander, the comments said that Jack is the one who died at the end of the endless. But my interpretation was that Paul had died. And when I see Alexander Burgess yeah, here, he alone. seems so lonely and without yeah. Paul, but maybe even, you know, having, if Paul is alive, how does Alexander Burgess having gone through five years of this sleeping sickness relate to anybody in the waking world? Right. Like you'd think that someone would tell Paul that, yeah, because Paul maybe, was by his bedside. No, no, no. Paul, so like, how come Paul is not by his bedside Well, now? I mean, we're only seeing a panel. Like, the only yeah. panel of Alexander Bridges that we're seeing is him looking out the window. And whether Paul is alive or dead, what it does indicate is that he is certainly isolated mm-hmm. from Paul based on his experience. Okay, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, then we also get Hob Gadling falling asleep. He is, you know, he's still mourning Audrey and... He is kind of feeling like, it's just like, yeah, I have to create yet another, you know, identity and I need to travel, but I am not in the mood to revisit a place. I want to visit a place. And there are so few places I've never been before at this point. I love his caption under the nodding off panel, which reads on page 18, in the house Hob left to himself in a room filled with papers and maps, Hob dreams. Do you think that Hob is going to die before the end of Sandman? Oh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. But, you know, we were talking about the loneliness of Alexander Burgess based on the experience that he has had and the loneliness that you get in that caption. Mm -hmm. What's captured within that caption with those words and the house Hob left to himself. He's just such a lowly creature. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I and I, I just love it. I love it. Like all, all of these people who are nodding off and traveling to the dreaming are in a state of melancholy mm-hmm. that is 
really appealing to me as a reader of their stories. Yeah, yeah. Then we get Gilbert coming back and going like, hey, I'm pretty happy being dead. I had the end of a story, and I had a satisfying life, and continuing to live undoes that. I love that. What we haven't talked about regarding that scene is Daniel Dream's reaction to it. Yeah. You know, Daniel you know, is in the process of recreating all these people who were killed by the Furies or based on the events of the kindly ones. And they've all, they've all accepted their resurrection. Yeah. And Gilbert denying the resurrection is sort of perplexing, or at least based on those two panels on page 20 of Daniel dream, rubbing his hands through his hair. Uh, he's, he's a little like, oh, okay. he's baffled by it. Baffled. But That's like, to word. me, it yeah. makes sense because Gilbert is the dream who wanted to be a man. You know oh, what I mean? It totally makes sense from Gilbert's perspective. Yeah. I think what's most interesting about the scene, though, is how Daniel Dream responds to it. I wonder, like, he sees himself as Dream, but he doesn't see himself as Morpheus. Right. Does he see himself as continuing? Well, he has, I think he has an identity issue here, yeah. right? And, and, you know, because he is such a new being. Yeah, and you know? like he's he's kind of having to like, he, the memories are there, but they're not as accessible. Like he needs to be reminded. He has the ability to act like an adult, mm-hmm. uh, but he's very childlike. He's still a baby. Yeah, I, I mean, the, on the last panel of page 20, after Gilbert has faded back into oblivion, and mm-hmm. we see like that wisp of dust, and Dr- Daniel Dream is looking down at it, and he says, I see... I think I see mm-hmm. very well you may go. Right. Oh, and that's interesting because like at the end of Morpheus's life, he was kind of in the mood for dead is dead, you know? And mm-hmm. and now like this Morpheus or this dream like doesn't believe dead is dead at all, at least for dream dream. Well, Daniel Dream's people. relationship to death as a as an infant, as a child is going to be different than Morpheus's relationship to death. So you're going like, he's still Daniel's age. I mean, he is. (laughs) He's like, to me, what we're watching is another education. Yeah. Right. What, What Sandman has been, has been an education for Morpheus. And now we're starting to see an education for Daniel dream. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The next page 21, we are now getting the, uh, individuals of the more godly <laughs> manner. Yeah. The people who can enter the dreaming through other ways beyond Portals. falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. And we get uh, Titania, we get Duma, and we get Bast making their way to the funeral. Yes, yes. And is there anything in those captions that sort of stuck out to you? Uh, not really. Like... Uh, I like the the summation of Duma, who is not exactly fallen, more toppled perhaps, <laughs> or so even good. tumbled. Like I mean, he was he was so mistreated by God, you uh, yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, I love Duma. I think it's interesting that Rumiel's not with him. Yeah, where is he? Yeah, why why isn't Rumiel? Oh, Rumiel invited? is right there. But Rumiel does Rumiel travel to the dreaming? Um, I think Rumiel. Yeah, I don't think he does. I think only Duma goes. I don't. But s- there is Rumiel. See, he's naked. Yeah, but he's in hell. Yeah, Rumiel's in hell, and Duma right. is leaving. Right. But what I find is, what's interesting is that Rumiel's not going. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess it's optional if you're if you can go through the portal. But and Duma has the key to hell around his neck. Yeah. And then Bast has to like gather the tiniest pittance, pittance of worship mm-hmm. to energize her trip to the dreaming. Right. Which I also really enjoy. And you know, the human characters who nod off are all melancholic. Mm-hmm. And these characters are melancholic. Yeah. Next page on 22, uh, our friends... Everybody have, bumps into each other on the stairs. Are bumping into each other. In the dreaming, they take on different shapes. Yeah. Well, they take on the shape that I think that Morpheus would think of them as. Oh, that's interesting. So I had, that hadn't occurred Bass to me. Bass is in full babe mode. Murdoch just looks like a guy. You know, Nuwala well, is Well, Murdoch in- looks like the bastard... That Morpheus saw him as exactly. when he first encountered him. And then, like, Nuwala is in her, like, glimmered down mode. Um, Hobgadling is wearing the clothes that he wore the, the first beard. time he met. And Alex is a child again. I did not pick up on that. Yeah. That's interesting. So, do you feel like that's a residual, res- like, piece of Morpheus? <laughs> I do think, like, I think that it's like a almost like a physical manifestation of their relationship to Morpheus. Interesting. You know, Interesting. like I, I uh, like one of the things like when you're told in Christianity is that like okay when Christ returns for the second time you are going to be given your body back but it's going to be like a glorified version of your body and that always baffled me because I'm just like does it mean me at my hottest <laughs> like what age would I be because I'm I hoping always that I interpreted live to an old that age. again I you know raised a religiously but I I'm aware of that concept and when I would encounter that in supernatural stories I interpreted that as your glorified version that you would imagine to be so at the time of your death. Yeah, but, like, my glorified version of myself, like, it's, like, such a sick and twisted version of myself. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just such a rejection of so much that I am, you know? So, like, to me, I just, that never satisfied me. But, like, to me, this is, like, Morpheus is equivalent to that, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, and and that's who you are in my head always. Just, like, like our nephew will always be, like, the little kid weird version of himself even though he's like now like a teenager or practically an adult. What's interesting also about this sequence is that this is where Hob learns that Morpheus is dead. Yeah. And Hob's the only one who has like an emotional, well, he has like denial. Yeah. Well, he breaks down. Yeah. Like, like, like upon learning this information, he is struck. He is wounded. Whereas Bast apparently already knew before she traveled to the dreaming. Right. Right. Hobbs, the only one who has like, cause Lida, Lida doesn't quite understand her relationship to Morpheus. Alexander Burgess doesn't quite understand his relationship to Morpheus. Hobgadling definitely does. Yeah. And Hobgadling exists in some ways because of Morpheus, or at least his long brief life. He exists. Had, like he had an actual friendship. My question is, does his life continue well, onward? After Morpheus. Yeah, I, I did have the thought of, is Daniel going to visit him? Because, like... Um, if, Mo- if if Hob is hit by a truck, mm-hmm. does he does he die now? I don't know. Because, like, Abel's... His contract with Morpheus still stands. Because there's a physical contract. Because Cain had the contract. And you're saying that, like... Who has the contract for Hob Gadley? Yeah, it's just, like, it's not a contract, but a promise. And the, the promise keeper is dead. Well, I don't know. We'll see. 
I mean, I think he'd be satisfied to die. I think he's he feels he's getting close to death. I, right? Yeah, I think he's ready to have his brief life. Like I'm gonna like I'm gonna be interested to see what Rose's like because Rose only hung out with Morpheus like in the dream realm, and she doesn't even completely remember or understand it. Well, what I also find interesting is that. Rose isn't there, right? Yeah. She, why isn't she on the stairs? Why isn't she on the stairs with these people? So they entered in at different times. Maybe she's standing with the family, but she's like teeny tiny. Well, she's, she's got to be down family. there. She's got to be down there. But I just find it interesting that she doesn't arrive with the other people that we see here. Yeah. Interesting. Um, when they gather at the base of the steps, in amongst those tiny people, I'm sure Rose is there mm-hmm. and the others are there. Uh, and then they look up and the aspects of the Endless are massive. Yeah, the, and, know, they're, they're and with the exception of Delirium, they're all holding something. Destiny is holding his book. It looks like Desire is holding a bundle a of, of bricks. bricks yeah. um, Delirium is holding something. Despair is not holding anything. Yeah, that's what I said. Did I misspeak? I think you did. Oh, sorry. Despair or, I certainly misheard anything. if that was the case. And then Death has like a box. box. Who's holding the ceramics? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. What are those objects? Not sure. Why isn't despair holding an object? Don't know. We're going to have to wait to find out. Yeah. That's the end of issue 70. What if unflattering angle of like delirium? You mean despair? No, delirium. Oh, oh, because of the chin situation? Chin situation, because it's like women, we do not like to be photographed like from the bottom looking up. And Michael Zuli knows this. Did you just see our power? I did. Yeah, we had a little brownout. Weird. Um, But our laptop. But it's a squeaky chair. (laughs) (laughs) It's a squeaky chair. Yeah, I loved this issue. Yeah, I I do feel like, you know, especially now that we like, like, we brought Chris's interpretation back into it. Uh, I do go like, am I being set up again? You know? Yeah, of course you're being set up again. That's what Sandman is. That's what stories are. What, you, know, you know, we may have figured out what was going on at the midway point of the kindly ones, mm-hmm. but we never know what's going on at the beginning of every arc. Yeah, that's true. It's you always know? like a little bit like you, we always have to like plod through the setup. It's always but a setup. Like I, but I don't feel plot like I don't feel like I've plotted through. You don't any feel setup. like it's like redundant. No, I'm loving this. Okay. I, 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 no. I'm, I'm not gonna say that I'm not loving it, but I do feel like wary. It's that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm jazzed. I think one of the reasons why I'm jazzed is that the art is so strikingly amazing. It is gorgeous. This is some of my favorite Sandman art. I love the coloring. Turning too, like every the page was a thrill. Yeah. The coloring, Daniel Vazo does a great job. Uh, I'd be, you're reading it uh, digitally. I'm reading it physically. I'm curious to take a look at the digital yeah. to see the differences in the coloring. But the, also, all this endless stuff, this mythology stuff. We love it. I Yeah, we love it. We love and it. the idea of Daniel Dream is so compelling to it me. It is. It really what is. What is this thing going to be? Yeah. You know, this child, this this child, this aspect, this new version of Dream. Yeah. Uh, that is... And is not the old version. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so compelled by it. So I'm very excited. We've got five more issues left of The Wake. Five more issues left of the original arc of Sandman. I am compelled. Okay, yeah. And again, I'm so glad that uh, I have physical copies of every Yay. one of these final issues. Looking at the uh, floppy here for issue 70... On the back cover, we have an ad, July 7th, for Species, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, traumatic theater-going experiences. Watch Species with my mom. Oh. Not the type of movie you want to watch with your mom uh, in 1995, 
but I loved it then. I still kind of like it. It's, I, it's, it's a, not perfect. It's a vibe. It's, it is a vibe. Uh, the poster is of Syl in her cocoon. That's Michelle Williams. I don't know if you remember, mm -hmm. but Syl, she grows into Natasha Henstridge, but the teenage version of Syl is Michelle Williams, the first time I think anybody ever saw her. Wow. Pre-Dawson's Creek. <laughs> uh, the tagline of Species is, two decades ago, scientists sent a message to space. This is the reply. I love the idea of receiving like some, you know, some science from space going like, oh, let's muck around with this science and that science being a horrible creature. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there is that like record that's playing in space or that can yeah. be listened to yeah. by aliens and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. It seems irresponsible to just be <laughs> throwing out like. And if you get a signal this. back, don't. It's just like, what are we supposed to do with it? Don't complete that math. Uh, species, be intrigued, be seduced, be warned, uh, be afraid. Uh, inside cover is an ad for a, a Vertigo comic by Peter Milligan and Glenn Dillon called Egypt. Never heard of it before. I'm always intrigued by ads for comics that I do not remember. There is an ad for the video game Super Carts. Uh, it says, to make it more realistic, we have to kick dust in your face. <laughs> Now available on CD-ROM for I, IBM I, PC, Lisa. I'm sure it doesn't hold up, the, <laughs> the technology. Uh, there's an ad for MTV animation and a new card set from Fleer, celebrating the various MTV animated shows. Okay. There is an ad for uh, Gotta Rock, Sam Goody, Musicland, Yay, once again. Sam Goody. I loved Sam Goody. This time promoting Radiohead and The Benz. Uh, then there is an ad a really grotesque ad of this like gnarly tattoo art version of a clown. Uh -huh. And it is for a group called Ugly Kid Joe. Do you remember Ugly no. Kid Joe from the 90s? I do not. Uh, menace to Sobriety okay. instead of Menace to Society. How fun. The new album is available now at Blockbuster Music, Lisa. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And then we, oh, there's an ad for Primus, everyone's favorite band, Primus. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a new album out. It's Tales from the Punchbowl. Uh, the back ad on the back page is for Hellblazer. It is the uh, critical mass arc from Paul Jenkins and Sean Phillips. Ooh. I never read this arc, and I, I need to because I love Sean Phillips. There's another ad for White House, not White House, White Wolf Publishing. Every issue of Sandman must include a White Wolf Publishing ad. And then letters-wise, nothing terribly interesting sticks oh, okay. out. Like I said, there's a couple letters there going like, oh, you know, Sandman brought me to comics after I matured out of it. Uh, there is a letter here from Megan McCauley lamenting the fact that there aren't a lot of female comics writers. And uh, Lisa Quitney points her to a couple books that she might be interested in uh, there's a new trade paperback for twisted sisters a collection of bad girl art which includes strange and wonderful material from a number of different women creators and she also uh, suggests the new miniseries fault lines written by the riley imaginative lee mars Ooh, that's pretty cool yeah um, there is a letter from john and amy yo of fort polk louisiana that asks an interesting question. Uh, at the risk of this sounding like a glib remark, could you answer a nagging question so that I can sleep soundly? 
Morpheus sired a child once, Orpheus. He is capable of having offspring. So is death. So that speaks to what oh, we were just talking about yeah. with the Golem character, um, with O'Shaughnessy. And Elisa's response <laughs> is, and desire sired Rose Walker's mother. I suppose I'd assume death is capable of bearing a child, but might not want to, as most parents expect their children will live after them. Mm. So any creature that death creates will most likely die before them. Although, not to like counter what Elisa is saying here, but if dream can die and despair can die, I imagine the aspect of death can die. Yeah, how would she do that? I guess she'd touch herself. I don't like know. That, that, like that um, Bangle song. <laughs> yeah, some answers there from Elisa. Was it the Bangles or was it that other lady? It was Divinals, Did I Touch Myself. I don't know why I thought it was the Bangles. Uh, but that's, that's basically it from the letters column. Not the most exciting thing. Everyone writing in is preparing themselves for the ending of Sandman. Everyone's feeling a little funny about it, just like us. Yeah, that's that's um, comforting. At the end of the issue, it says, Next month, the mourners have gathered, the wake begins. Yes. So there you have it. That's our conversation on Sandman 70. Lisa, anything else you want to reflect on before we get out of here? Um, no, I think I'm good. I like, you know, I'm not feeling jazzed like you, but I'm feeling open. I'm okay. feeling open for whatever happens. Do you think that you're not jazzed because you're still recoiling from the death? Um, like it feels like, ugh, this is an ending? and you're, or, or is it just you're still not satisfied with the, the ending? Yeah I, yeah, I think maybe that. I don't think that, like, I'm, I'm satisfied with, like, I understand intellectually, like, what, what I thought was going to be a climax was not a climax, so the cli climax must be coming again. But this Sounds isn't dirty. providing you clues on what that climax could uh, be. Yeah, and um, like it does feel to me like a redo of like, okay, here's what this guy's up to, and here's what that guy's up to, and here's what get this guy's up to, and here's what that guy's up to, and um, it's just it feels like it feels like it's dragging its feet a little bit. Okay, all right, I, yeah, I think I'm just a little ahead of you in my enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, again, Daniel Dream, I'm into it. I, want I more love Daniel that Dream. idea. I love that idea. But like, uh, you know, like with all of these, uh, all of Sandman, I always just, just like, why are we turning the camera away from the endless? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need Daniel Dream and Lyda to reconnect. I need healing there. I need to know what Daniel Dream's new name is. I need another name for Daniel Dream. Yeah, because can't we just can't call him Dream. Yeah. And I can't call him Daniel because he's not and, Daniel. And anymore. we can't call him Morpheus because he said not to. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, things that we've got coming up uh, on the Patreon feed, we have another episode coming real soon. We're going to record it actually after we finish this conversation. We have purchased the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem cereal yes. from General Mills. We have a box in hand. We actually got it shipped to us. And we're going to crack it open and we're going to review it just like we reviewed the Across the Spider-Verse Whopper from Burger King. Yeah, but it's not going to be like, are we going to eat it on mic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we it's got, a little different. It's a little different because we didn't eat the burger on mic. We should have. Uh, but we're, we're going to eat this cereal on mic. We're going to slurp that bowl. <laughs> and we're going to let you know what we think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem cereal. 
we're both like crazy excited to get another Ninja Turtles movie. Yes, we are. It looks, the trailers look so great. Yeah, it looks so good. I have a feeling we are going to see it at San Diego Comic-Con next month. I love that. The official release of Mutant Mayhem is August 2nd. It's just like a week or two before. Yeah. They've already screened it at the Anansi uh, Film Festival in France, and they just had a screening on the Paramount lot. So they're showing it to folks. They're definitely going to show it to the San Diego Comic-Con crowd. We're going to try real hard to be in that audience, if there is an audience. Yeah. So cross your fingers for us. Uh, also on the Patreon feed, we just dropped Scott Snyder's virtual introduction for our Batman Mask of the Phantasm screening which is happened or has already happened after you while you're listening to this. So if you're listening to this, our Batman Mask of the Phantasm screening has already occurred at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. It went off without a hitch. Yeah. It was wonderful. And I think Scott Snyder like killed it with that intro. Yeah, I mean he really has taken the weight off of us having to do a really killer intro. Yeah, he's we, the nicest guy. He's the nicest guy. We sent him because he was like, what what kind of thing is this? I was like, well, I'm going to send you Chip Zdarsky's virtual intro for Howard the Duck, which was basically just Chip Zdarsky cutting the <laughs> Howard the Duck movie off at the knees. Which is also in the Patreon feed if you want to scroll back to exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, and so Scott watched that and he was like, okay, well, I'll do my version of that, but not be so brutal to the movie because Mask of the Phantasm it. is great. And so he, loves that movie. he celebrates Mask of the Phantasm while also recommending a bunch of comics yeah. to read if you like Mask of the Phantasm. Isn't that fun? It's everything I want from a virtual introduction. Our next screening at the Alamo Drafthouse Winchester that our patrons can go to for free because they're patrons, they just need to let us know, is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's going to be a blast. On the I 30th of July at 4 o'clock. Yes. And we don't have somebody lined up to do the virtual introduction for that yet, but we're looking to do so. Mm -hmm. And then in August, we are hoping to screen the film The Mask, uh -huh. the Jim Carrey movie based on the Dark Horse Comics book. And for that one, we should have an in-person comic creator that is set up by Four Color Fantasies. Uh -huh. We're not going to say who it is just yet because it might not happen. Yeah. But when it's written in gold or stone or however you write things in permanent marker we will let you know who that creator is it's a really rad creator they're going to be doing a signing at four color fantasy so if you wanted to sleuth this out on your own you could yeah you're going to want to come to winchester virginia that whole weekend go to the signing come to the screening it's gonna be fun yeah and then after that we're still working out the screenings yeah uh flash gordon though Christmas perhaps, movie? Mm, perhaps. Mm, maybe, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we've got going on. Anything else? What else have uh, we got to promote? Oh, you just recorded a secret, secret, secret guest appearance. I did. On a secret podcast. On a secret podcast. Though, if you go through my Twitter feed, you might figure out what that podcast <laughs> is. So, um, if you want more of Lisa talking. It's coming. With another podcaster whom you should know and love. It's gonna be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for it. We'll let you know in the social media feeds. And, of course, I'm sure we'll promote it on our main feed episode. It was a super fun recording. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And as we said earlier on in this episode, we appeared on the amazing Spider Talk mm -hmm. to discuss Spider-Man and Mary Jane. That was such a fun conversation. I think it's a perfect sequel to our counseling session episodes that we've already done. I agree. On Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And I'm actually maybe even more proud 
of our take regarding that couple in this guest appearance. Yeah. So that episode is already available to listen. You can hear us chatting with Dan Gavazdan and Mark Giannacchio in their amazing Spider Talk Patreon feed. Though, if you don't want to spend the three ninety nine for the Patreon, you can just wait, because it's, it's going to come out on their main feed in yeah, a couple of weeks. In a couple weeks, a couple months, I actually think. I think oh, it's really? going to be in August. Uh, I think it's going to be in August. For your birthday? Yeah, for my birthday. For my birthday. And, uh, yeah, so we've been doing a lot. We've yeah. been doing a lot of fun stuff. Lisa's going to be on a panel at San Diego Comic-Con I also. Am. Not at all jealous, Brad. Not at all jealous, Brad. I was invited. You were invited and Brad was not. <laughs> Lisa tried to get me on and they were like, no. Nah. Like, we can get Brad too. They're and like, they're no like, thanks. that's fine. <laughs> no thanks, we don't need that dude. Well, I mean, th- this particular panel is trying to, to um, represent a, a wide swath of people. They don't need another one. dude. They don't need two of me's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just another version of you? Yeah, no. Like we're we're the same person. Okay, we're the same person. Double. All right. You complete. Uh, we can't announce yet what that panel is, but yeah. if you're going to be at San Diego Comic Con, be on the lookout for Lisa Gullickson, panelist. Yeah. And that is going to do it for us, friends. Until next time. Keep your love tank full and your psychic rapport open. That's hilarious. I did it backwards. You launched it. You I launched did. it. We switched roles. Oh, we weird. switched See, roles. See, I because... told you we're the same person. <laughs> There you go, friends. You made it all the way through that conversation. And as I promised, I'm about to make an announcement, a significant update to the Comic Book Couples Counseling Patreon feed. Longtime CBCC Patreon subscribers may remember the Married to Singles episodes that we did back in 2020. For whatever reason, we stopped, they slowed down, we lost interest in that idea, but they are returning, but they are returning with a twist. We love the single issue. If Sleepwalking Through Sandman taught us anything, it's that we love opening up the Mylar bag, pulling out a single physical copy of a comic book, cracking that spine and digging in panel by panel. We want to keep doing that beyond sleepwalking through Sandman. So the new updated format to Married to Singles will have Brad and Lisa focusing in on one specific single issue from any kind of series. And we're not the ones who are going to be choosing that series. We are inviting on comic creators, comic podcasters, comic book fans, comic book critics to join Comic Book Couples Counseling to discuss their favorite comic book single issue. Episode one will launch in the Patreon feed. It is not a main feed program. You have to be a patron to listen to these episodes. But again, it costs just a dollar to gain access to these episodes. And the first episode will launch around San Diego Comic-Con. Like last year, we are going to do a week-long series of episodes celebrating this beautiful medium, celebrating our favorite convention on the planet, our favorite place on the planet. We're so excited and we're not at all prepared, but you don't care. You just wanna know who is the first guest 
in this new updated version of Married to Singles. Well, comic book couples counseling listeners should be very familiar with them. They are a returning guest. They've been on the podcast at least twice before. Every time they put out a comic book, it seems to be our favorite comic book of that year. And we've celebrated uh, at least two of their series at the end of the year with our best of episodes. And they've got a new comic book series coming out in the fall. You may have heard of it, Transformers. Yes, Daniel Warren Johnson is joining us to launch our Married to Singles series, or to relaunch our Married to Singles series, and he has selected a very unique comic book, a comic book I was not expecting Daniel to pick. He has chosen, for his topic of conversation, The Nom Number Nine. The issue was published in 1987. It is written by Doug Murray, penciled by Mike Golden, inked by John Beattie, lettered and colored by Phil Felix, edited by Larry Hama. I have not read a Nom issue in 30 years. I do remember picking up these books when I was a kid and not really understanding them beyond their action and their violence. And I just have forgotten about them. I, I, I like, they, they just don't enter my consciousness at all. So Lisa and I were incredibly surprised to hear Daniel Warren Johnson go, no, the comic I want to talk about is the nom number nine. Why does he want to talk about it? I don't know. We're going to have to tune in and find out, but I'm so excited to hear his take on the nom number nine, and I'm sure you're going to want to hear that episode and that conversation and his reasonings as well. So, $1, friends, $12 a year. You can buy it as a package. One year of Comic Book Couples Counseling's Patreon feed is 12 bucks. You can sign up now. You can jump into the Patreon feed. Again, link in the show notes. You can actually listen to our conversation about the Sandman number 71 right now. We've recorded it and we uploaded it today. And this Sunday, we will be recording our conversation on Sandman number 73. And the week after that, Sandman 74. And then after that, in three weeks, we will finish Sandman with Sandman. Man 75. Of course, there are still many Sandman comics to discuss after that. So still more Sandman coming in the Patreon feed. Lisa and I are so proud of what we've been doing over in the Patreon feed for the last two years, and we want more people to get involved over there and join that community. And yeah, you know, that's why we make it so darn cheap. One dollar, friends. One dollar. Come listen to Daniel Warren Johnson talk about the nom number nine. And after that, we've got another really rad creator set up. We've got some really unique guests, some real surprises on the horizon. And I'm looking forward to announcing those soon. And on that note, I am going to get out of here. Be on the lookout for our next episode in conversation with Tyler Crook, talking about the Lonesome Hunters, the Wolf Child number one out from Dark Horse Comics next week. And find us on all the social media channels, CBCC Podcasts. We're now on Blue Sky. I've started posting in Hive Social again. We're really tackling Instagram with some passion right now. Find Lisa at Sidewalk Siren. Find me at Mouth Dork. Find us on Facebook, too. And let's keep that chat going. You've already heard the outro music. Do I need to play it again? Probably not, but I'm going to anyway. Take care, friends. Keep your love tank full and your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy.